welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three dungeon masters who've been playing for <laughs> way too long. Talk about all the things we do to try to make our games as good as they can be. Hi, I'm Tony. I said you want to be starting something, you got to be starting something. You want to be starting something, you got to be starting something. How to get over, yeah, yeah. How to get under. Stuck in the middle. And then he says, and the pain is thunder, which is strange. That's a very strange line when you actually look up Michael Jackson lyrics. Anyway, hello again, everybody. Uh, Rock and Roll DM. Dave, hello. Hi. And we have super special guests today. Returning as the reigning guest DM champion is who? Hey, everybody. I'm Chris. (laughs) There he is. I love that energy. Yes. All right, we're we're ready. We're raring to go here. It's a Saturday. It's 1 p.m. We are we're coffeeed up. And as we've been doing, we have actually the four wise DMs today because we also have our friend Lenny Zott, who is new to our gaming group. Uh, he's been in our Tuesday night group that we talk about a little bit. Um, but we're bringing him on here, and I'm going to let him explain it. So Len, introduce yourself. Let us know what's uh. What's going? How did you come into this crazy hobby that we do? Hey, everybody. Um, how did I come into this? Netflix. It's how I make all of my life decisions <laughs> these days. It's um, like I knew you guys had played D&D for a long time. Like, I, you know, I've talked to Chris about it a lot. And um, we were sitting around watching the, the last season of Stranger Things back in like probably like August or something. And uh was my girlfriend was like, we should we should try playing D and D, and then it kind of snowballed, and here I am. Now I'm on a D and D podcast. It's it's come full circle. That's funny because Chris, didn't you like you had tried? I remember you saying you were trying to get Lenny into like doing a game or something, or or like you know introducing him to it, right? For like quite a while. Yeah, sure. No, it's a, I mean, it's a fun hobby. And so you want to try to share it with that, those people like that you're, that are your friends, you know, as much as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. You had mentioned you're like, hey, I want to kind of get, get my one friend into this. I think he'd be really good at it. Next thing you know, he's DMing a campaign. And I'm like, wow, that escalated quickly. Right. And that's where I wanted to kind of go with this is Lenny, like you're a great uh, we talked about new DMs on the show before, how to onboard new DMs, best d- new DM advice, and literally any of the socials you go on, you know, uh, Facebook groups, whatever. The biggest question you're always getting is, one, how do I get into this if I want to DM? And two, what do I need to know? I'm about to run my first game. What, what's the what's the best advice, right? And you get all those. So, Lenny, like you literally came in, you're sitting there watching Stranger Things, which was a great season. So I'm, I don't doubt that that's the one that made you, you know, we're going to do this now with the Hellfire Club and all that. But you came in and then you were like, you know, what? I'll just run the game. I'll just do that. And I know for Tony and myself in our groups, we were those people where we were like, OK, we all want to play D&D. Can you run it? You know, and like having to figure it out. But coming in completely fresh to this, what was that like? Like what made your what were, what were the stumbling blocks to that? I think initially it was trying to figure out what the what the game itself is about because it's referred to as a game, but if you come if you approach it like uh like you've been playing Monopoly for your it's way you know you just you're stepping into something that's way different and it's more about you know imagination and storytelling and 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 kind of working together as a group. It's not you know I'm going to try to win this game. So initially it was finding out what the game was about. And then I think from there it was, uh, I think, I think at that point I had probably reached out to Chris and was like, Hey, you know, thinking about like getting a game together, my niece and and her fiance and my nephew wanted to play and my girlfriend Lucy wanted to play. So we had, we had a group and Chris was kind of offering to come like run a session for us. You know, the ever struggles of getting five different schedules to like mesh and find like time. And it kind of was like, well, the more YouTube videos I had watched and the more 
online articles and stuff that I was reading, the the mechanics of the game of the game itself became kind of interesting to me. It's sort of the idea of of running the whole thing became became really like alluring and and it occurred to me that if I wanted our group to continue to play, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't put Chris out like every time I wanted to play. So <laughs> it just kind of made sense to like, you know what? I think I could do this. After that, I bought the uh, the starter set and started reading the uh, the Lost Minds of Fandelver, and that's kind of where we uh, that's kind of how how I got going initially. Which I'm definitely kind of jealous of because I've wanted to run Lost Minds for a while and it just hasn't worked out. Like I haven't been able to play it. Yeah, the true BBEG schedules. But uh, Chris and Tony, like we've talked about on this, uh, we used to talk with Thoro about it all the time, is that when you've been playing this stuff for a long time, you just come in with a knowledge, of an understanding of certain things that you take for granted. Like you don't even realize what you know that no one else would know. Like this real esoteric jargon stuff, like armor class, hit points, attributes. Like, so... Like, we all three came into this already, and Tony, I know we've talked about this at length, but both of you guys, like, what are your thoughts on that with coming in as a new DM with all of this real esoteric fucking jargon that's out there? The one thing I would say is that when uh, Lenny was talking to me and we were texting about it, the focus was he ran, uh, he uh, read, you know, Fandelver, and then actually started to craft a story, a reason why the people were there, took what was there and evolved it in a way where his focus was on the right level of it, where it was the module and the adventure itself and the characters versus being overly concerned about that. And he would express concern about that. And I'm like, it sort of works itself out at the table, right? Like you figure out a lot of those things when you're in those situations, but. You're, you're saying in terms of like some of the mechanics and the and the the definitions of stuff like armor class and whatever, right? Yeah, no, it works itself out in your first combat. You figure things out, right, and things go from there. <laughs> but, but he had a really good focus on that. Is that he read you know cover to cover and had then took it and kind of evolved it a bit so that it worked for his party that he was putting together there. And then scheduling came in and shreds as it often does with many of them. But it was the, the preparation was in the right vein. Right. Yeah. Tony, like we we've said it many times because you guys would talk a lot of times about like second edition and first edition. And I, Chris and I played a lot of like basic and first edition, but not in a it was when we were kids. Right. So like. I kind of take that with like a, all right, yeah, we're like, we're, we're, you know, honorary, but like our real stuff is like the current stuff, you know, Pathfinder 5e, but we was talk about like second edition, like the rules being very light on the game and all this kind of stuff. But then you would come back all the time and be like, yeah, well, what about weapon speeds? And what about the, all these other things that like, Tui wasn't like, you're just supposed to know this <laughs> so stuff awesome. now, right? It's like trying to deadlift a dump truck. I mean, What's really a great resource uh, is to have people in your life that can show you how to fill in some of these blanks. When I was cracking open that initial red box, those lessons were long and slow. I'm like saving throws. What? And like I'm 12 trying to read this from the original red box. You go, see, when do I know I need to make a saving throw? And of course, you're not on the other side of the table going, my DM should tell me that. So like, Fast forward all these years when Chris ran the Marvel campaign, I had read those rules half a dozen times, and I'm like, I don't freaking get it. Like, <laughs> I, still, I still don't understand, right? I, I cannot put a combat together. I've read this book three times, and honestly, I don't get it. He's like, oh, no, you do this. And I'm like, it, which was counterintuitive to Dungeons and & Dragons. And I'm like, so my intuition is my initiative modifier and not my agility? He's like, yep. And I'm like, well, that's why, because that's where the rubber met the road from those two different systems. He's able to clear that up. So friendly yeah. resources, invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, so Len, like, did that type of stuff. Uh, first, I'm, I'm, well, not first. I want to get into the whole adventure hook thing, because I think that's, I really, I'm going to delve into that here, because there's something very important there for new DMs, but for experienced DMs, too. With that kind of stuff, hit points, armor class. I know you, were, Chris, was saying you were asking him these things. Did any of that 
because these days you have like your RPGs like on console or on PC, right? Like pretty much there's so much that's been influenced by D&D in, in video gaming. But did any of that make any sense to you? Or did you come in being like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> I mean, like kind of like the the system was fun. like I'm not the kind of guy that was playing like like Skyrim or anything like that. That's unfortunate. I, cause I haven't, I haven't read like a bunch of fantasy. I mean, I'm, I'm reading a lot now, but I hadn't read like a lot, you know, my knowledge of fantasy world was kind of like game of Thrones. And that was kind of like it, you know? Right. Right. But no, I mean the, the, the mechanics, like reading the basic, the rules that came with the starter set, I could kind of understand, but like, I still, I still needed like a good, I think, Chris, I think I, I had come over and we were just having a beer one night and like running through like game scenarios, like, you know, casting sp- how some spells work versus others, how how, you know, AC could be different because the, you know, the the character put their shield on their back and they're not, you know, it was like the little trying to figure out those little things that didn't worry me as much running the first session as like trying to actually get the story over and get get the players to like buy into what we were trying to do like that was that's what was was way more like on my brain yeah chris that's a so you were you guys kind of ran a couple and that's awesome to like tony just said to have that resource of someone showing you things of the game right because that's kind of how a lot of us came into it but like we've said a lot of us were the ones that said okay we're going to run this now you know and and teach people how to play but you were kind of running some scenarios, just like a little like, OK, goblins attack or something. The rules can be very dense, right? Like the, you start with the player's handbook, which is like, a, you know, an inch thick. And then you yeah, have the DMG, which I mean, you can get lost in. So <laughs> I think a lot of times it's just about actually doing it in practice. And then all of a sudden it be, makes a lot more sense. And then, oh, this is when you make a saving throw, kind of to Tony's point earlier. Or, oh, this is why that. Oh, and then you start to understand about things about cover and things like that. But you also start to understand that you don't have to be 100% about all that. It's mm-hmm. more about the story. So it's like sometimes it happens and the rules go by and you don't have to beat yourself up because it, it, it probably happens for everybody, even for Mercer at times, I'm sure, right? Like he probably misses it somewhere or something like that. All day. You know? all day. People, uh, yeah, for that's actually a funny thing because like they get such heat online. Like people will be like, that's not how cover work. And he's like, motherfucker, I'm running a game for four hours live. Like <laughs> I'm Matt Mercer. Yeah, Mercer. like shit. <laughs> but Lenny, so I want to get into this. And I don't want to kind of like delve into like the first session because what Chris just said, I think is an excellent point in that. And you hear this from, you know, DMs across the world, right? Is that in the end, the rules don't matter, right? Because they, what matters is the game and the story, uh, even to the point of like Professor Dungeon Master on Dungeon Craft, we'll talk about he doesn't have rule books at the table. It's not allowed. He doesn't have cell phones. He also doesn't have rule books because he doesn't want to slow down and crack a rule book. He's going to make a ruling. You're going to go with it. And we'll revisit that next time. You know, now I think that's a little extreme, but. The big thing that you did, though, which is so important and it shows a level of intuitiveness, I think, for especially a new DM, you understood that you have to build this adventure hook. You need to hook these players in because spoilers, Fandelber, I mean, it's been out for like 10 years. Right. But you start and it's the goblin ambush scenario where you are just been hired out to by Gundren Rockseeker to take supplies to Fandolin. Right. And you're just on the road. And, you know, that's a fine start. You're sell swords, whatever. But you looked at that and said, no, I want to I need to tie them in in more ways. That is that kind of is that accurate? In a sense, uh, at the time, I was trying to take in as much, you know, D&D as I could. So I was watching a lot of stuff on YouTube. I started watching a lot of Matt Colville's videos and I stumbled upon a guy um Ryan Doyle, he's got a channel team, uh, uh, the Verta Vertigrid table. I, I think I, I'm, I might be wrong on that, but but I know his name's Ryan Doyle. And he had a uh, so I, I had run through Van Delver and then I was kind of focusing on the first. It's broken up into like four sections. Right. Yeah. And I was focusing on the first section, which was trying to which was basically like the gob, goblin ambush and then the goblin hideout, uh, the, the Kragma hideout. The the guy Ryan Doyle said, you know, you're he had given a, a tip about trying to create a better hook because you're just 
essentially starting the the adventure where you're on this on this mission that this guy gave you and the whole rest of the story hinges on you wanting to follow this guy's lead and wanting to figure out what happened to him but at no point in the story do you ever meet him do you ever like <laughs> have a hook like you know they the starter says great it was great for for new players like my the, the people that came to play didn't have to create characters there were characters sitting there they all had hooks tied into Fandel for reasons why they were going to be there or wh why they would travel there. But at still at no point did they ever give you like a, like a, a reason to, to want to seek out Gundren Rockseeker again. You know, he's just some guy that hired you. Like wh why wouldn't you just deliver his goods and, hey, you know, all right, on to the next thing. Right. So, so this guy, Ryan Doyle had, had kind of given the scenario that the character should actually meet, meet him prior to uh pri you know pri prior to the 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 first uh goblin encounter mm -hmm. so that's kind of that's kind of where i went with it i just sort of wrote a little tavern scene because every video i wrote said all adventures should start in a tavern so <laughs> we started in a tavern right and gundren comes in and starts talking to the players and tells them the reason he wants them to you know not not divulging too much of the story but um you know he, he basically this the scenario was that he came in and said you know i can't give you too many details but i need you guys to to take these these uh mining supplies out to fandolin for me so that's, that's, that's excellent it shows you that you i mean you sought out uh, somebody who kind of gave an idea of scenario of how to do do the mechanic of it as it were but you got that sense as you're reading it, like why 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 like and then also like if these goblins that why the fuck am i staying here Chris, we had the same thing. Tony and I have talked when we, you've been running the Tomb of Annihilation campaign. Um, that unfortunately currently is on hiatus, but we're, we're working on it, people. We're working. Same thing, though. Like, So you literally have to get people to chult, right, to then seek out this death curse and seek out a lich. And it's like, why am I doing this and why are we doing this? I'm first level. Right. Like I have a gun and I'm a hippo man. Like what, why am I doing this? <laughs> and none of this makes sense. You had players who already were experienced and was like, no, we're this, we have to build our characters into this. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's like, I mean, the two, like it's the modules are great uh, jumping off points. Right. Like I got it a little bit from your Strahd campaign and other things that I experienced is that you take it, but then you have to add something to it. And Unfortunately, the, the module itself just kind of drops you in Schult, right, and says, okay, you have to care about it, kind of like to Lenny's point. And so I, I use DM's Guild to find uh, some additional material, but to help to build out the character story so that they come there. But there's a reason beforehand that brings them together, that drives them into the story so that it's not like, you know, it's not like, boom, portal opens up, you step through, and then all of a sudden, like, it starts right there. There's a reason that kind of draws them through there. You know, didn't play out the whole ship adventure across the ocean, but the idea was set beforehand. So I thought that was really valuable. Yeah. It's like a nice session zero to it. it it's a, it's an excellent point, because that's why I wanted to kind of jump on it, Len, because that is a, that's a very experienced mindset uh, to come with that a lot of people don't get. Like, that's some of, like, the soft stuff. Um of that you know i'm only still now learning that years and years in you know where i really leaned heavily into it like with the dragonlance campaign that we just started they had probably i think the shadow of the dragon Queen might have one of the best adventure hooks in the modern uh you know series of adventures that 5e has put out i think they really hit the writers really hit one very very good in terms of ispen greenshield i'm not going to give anything away for people because it's still brand new but I leaned even heavier into that to really tie the players in. And for me, I think it really worked. And Len, it seemed um, – so you did the adventure hook, but then your players bought in. But then it sounded from when you, we were talking the one time over Chris's, like they really bought in by the end of the thing. So uh, kind of tie all of that together, and then we'll jump into some new stuff. But you got – so you tied them in, and then the mechanics of the game itself. Now you're running it, right? This is – you're you're on the open road. How much did that affect it? You know, did, were you going back to rule books? Did you care? Did you just make rule that type of thing? Uh, there was, yeah, there were a couple points during that first session where 
you know, I had to take a minute and actually look something up. But it, you know, chances are if you're right, if you're a first time DM and you're new to the game and you're 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 running a game for for a group, chances are the group of players is probably pretty new themselves. Right. So it didn't really matter that much. Like anything, anything that we we were looking up, like my nephew was actually had a rule book with him. And when we hit like a snag, I was like, I'm not sure what to do with this. And we were both looking it up, trying to figure out how to do it. It was like, a, you know, they it kind of became a, a like a like a party at that point where everybody was kind of helping everybody else like like play. Because I had three people who had never played before and one person who had just watched some online videos and then me who had watched some online videos and was attempting to run it. So. So, yeah, some things came through. Um, probably the funniest scenario was. um and during the first Goblin Ambush, one of the uh, I think it was my niece's character. She's like, oh, I speak I speak Goblin. Let me try to talk to him. But we're in during the middle of like trying to stab you and shoot you with arrows. Like now's not the time for, for diplomacy. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to try to talk to him. I was like, OK, like try to talk to him. And the Goblin just came up and took a whack at her. And she's like, but. But like, but you're in the middle of a fight. Like, why would you want to talk that. to him? Like the the shots have already been fired, and now they're like, Let, I, I think I could talk him down here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. So, honestly, yeah, that that's definitely a soft skill thing for sure. Because on all the great rules, encounters, and story you have, it isn't gonna make equal a lick of anything if the hook is soft. If you can't bring anybody in, you know why we played Dave's Ravenloft? Because we couldn't get the hell out. I didn't want to stay there. The place was terrible. We get the Cholt. We're like, this is a fetid jungle. There is a lich. If you die here, you're dead forever. Like, no thanks. But the, but uh, Chris tied it in nicely. He brought in spirits and he said you were the you'd be detectors of the land and got us invested and gave us neat stuff. That's a was a really solid way to handle that. Um, and I said before, in Storm King's Thunder, you show up, you're, you you have the you know various reasons why you're going to be there to shoot a Nightstone. You get there, the place has been rolled by cloud giants. I mean, what's your initial reaction supposed to be? Like, you know what? We're going to take these guys down. We're just going to we're going to f- seek down this floating castle and break some skulls. Like, no, no, we're not. Why would I think to do that? This is like so out of my pay grade. It's not even funny. Absolutely. And that's I mean, that was one of the reasons that I had I specifically tried to tie in my character to why would I care about giants at first level? Right. But if you don't have that, like that that can be a little rough. It was Um, such a it was such a payoff on the first game session for me, like to get them to to tie in. And at the end of that first goblin ambush, when the the last goblin jumps the you know, jumps the, the brush and runs away. And I sat back. I was like, all right, what do you guys want to do? And they literally were like talking amongst themselves like we, you know, what what should we do? What should we do? You know, and should we just go to town? And they're like, no, like these guys beat up our friends. We got to go get them. And I was just sitting back like, yes, like I got them. Yes. Yes. Well done. <laughs> that is, they, there are a few things that feel like that in this world, man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so Lenny, what's something? So you've got a chance to, you know, dig your teeth into this, and you've read some things, ran some modules. What would you recommend for a new DM to absolutely stay away from? What's the ultimate beginner's trap you should avoid at all costs? Hmm. I know what Tony's answer is. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> I'd say trying to do trying to trying to do too much. Definitely prepare. Like definitely, you know take notes and take take what you think you're going to need but don't don't be rigid and don't try to force too much on on the players just kind of let it happen right chris what do you think from a more seasoned dm's perspective the veteran you know what should we avoid you know you've done a lot of campaigns you've done the storytelling for the more advanced players what kind of advice can you offer them uh, it's kind of funny it i was almost it's uh, kind of got my answer there is yeah. that it's Sorry. Uh, it's about being head up <laughs> about things is that you have to have notes you have to understand what your world is there but it's about being head up and interacting with the players and kind of being in the situation with them a little bit like it's that you can get lost with too much description of this or that and you lose the overall thread of the story 
like that's been the hardest part is to try to keep myself uh, from like kind of wanting to go back to the rule book or back to the other things. Uh, the standard damage, uh, we, me and you, Dave, oh. were talking about it, right? Like that's, it's such an easy thing to be able to just say if there's a hit, okay, there's the damage. I don't need to roll this dice constantly. I don't need yeah. to keep on having to take my focus away from what's going on out there, right? And reading the faces and making sure that everybody's having a good time, right? Or, you know, to the to the right degree, like there's bad things are going to happen, but that people are engaged. No, Chris, that's a great point. Actually, that's an excellent, that's, I'm going to, we're going to trademark that. That's another three three WD trademark. <laughs> head up, be head up in it. That's That's actually really excellent because what you're kind of saying is be aware of what's happening at the table. Don't be concerned so much with what you prepped or the session. You still need to know that, but see what's happening and allow that that improv and that actual live play to to inform where does this go next. I think that's great. So to be a head up DM, I think that's actually really good. Uh, Lenny, I will say uh, I love that you took all of my advice that I've been giving for like over a hundred episodes without ever actually like have talked to me or anything. I, I think it's great. I feel very vindicated um, because one, one, the first thing you did, you used a published adventure. You didn't go in and be like, let me try to build this because spoilers, everybody, Tony's answer for the last question was don't build a town. Mm. Don't do it. Don't do it. Cause you'll it's a trap. Three months. Yeah, it's a track. Yeah, Akbar has already let you know. Uh, but you used a published adventure, and you used the starter one, which is an excellent, and it's still listed as one of the greatest. It's so, it's stuff. like it's so accessible to somebody coming in. From, like, and there's no reason you couldn't run it without without changing the hook or anything like that. It's just you know, it yeah. it made it juicier for for the first time for sure. It's funny because I'm actually been running. Uh, I restarted the girls campaign that I'm running. They were running Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. We've gone over why I would decide to run them through a survival horror a la John Carpenter's The Thing. Regardless, let's not have delve into that again. But we switched it over and it's a little more uh, a little more high fantasy, some whimsy, that kind of thing. Uh, so I actually grabbed because of an idea I had the newest starter set. Um, which has the dragons of Stormwreck Isle on it. And I would love to see, uh, for, to have you take a look at that, Len, and to see, because I think they actually got that feedback and they made it even more accessible for new DMs because they even prompt you, like, this might be a time when you ask them X, Y, Z, whatever. So I, I really think that they kind of got that, that that's that, you know, to help lead you in. But you use the publish adventure, which I always tell people, even if they change all the names and everything, it's already there for you. And two, you use the pregens. And Tony, we've talked about this and, and we've had our, our, our discussions and, and disagreements in the past. Do you use pregens? Do you create characters? Because there is something magical about creating characters. But anyone who sat and created characters with people that have never done it and never played a game like this before, that's your night. There it is. You know, especially if you don't know, like Len, you didn't know how to necessarily make a character at that point. So you went with the pregens in the box and it doesn't sound like that affected gameplay at all. No, like I said, they make it really accessible. It's those characters already have hooks into the town already, you know, it, it, like if you're trying to explain to somebody how the game works, like starting with creating a character's. Like, I, I wouldn't argue against somebody try, trying to do that for the first time, but that would be, God, for me, that would be like, why, why do I want to come back and play this a second time? Like, all we did was create, was roll, you know, like create a character and, you know, get getting back to your advice. What The one thing Chris kept kept telling me before the first game session was just get just get them to the point where they're rolling dice and everything will kind of play out and it, everything will happen after that. And you said it to me probably like, 10 times in that week leading up to me, like run, just get them rolling dice. Everything, will, everything will work out. So yeah, I mean, for a first game session to create player, I guess that would be interesting to some people, but like, I just wanted to play. So like getting them to roll dice was the whole, was the whole, you know, focus. Chris, uh, go into that a little bit more. Cause that's actually a really, again, you're, you're hitting some, uh, some things, you head up DM and now get them to rolling dice. So like, that's actually really great advice. What 
you know, kind of break that out. Like, what are you looking for when you were telling that to Len? Well, I just it's you can get lost in uh, if there's a role play element to it. You can get lost in the story. You can get lost in the other things. A lot of times it's, you know, you have to get the players interactive into what you want to do. And so the easiest way, besides a lot of people don't want to speak back to you right the tavern owner's like hey what's everybody's going and there's going to be somebody right there's going to be one or two guys in the party always that are going to be the people that go to talk to them so the way i mean the way you get them engaged is roll for other things right roll for this roll for that get people into it skill challenges and stuff like that and it gets people interactive and it because it's i mean at the heart of it it's a game and the dice rolling is the easiest mechanic to kind of introduce the randomness right yeah it's like even as charismatic as i could be as a person, it's that dice roll that really tells you how my character was that whether or not my character was that charismatic. Right. Yeah, no, there's I, no there's no consequences until the point where you're actually rolling dice. Right. It adds it just adds that little bit of spice that makes it that makes it a game that makes it fun. So, Chris, just to, as a to bounce back off of that question, too, uh, from what we were asking, Len, if you remember back when we kind of came back into this um so Chris was at the table the first time I sat back down and actually ran a game and we were doing the Pathfinder campaign that we've talked about. Um, that was so, I mean, built on such hard rails and so many tropes of fantasy and all this. But we started and I had gotten the beginner box from Pathfinder. It was, well, it was 1E at the time. And I just gave you guys the four pregens. It was the wizard, cleric, rogue, fighter. It was your, it was your classic gauntlet. Uh, you know, characters. If you can think back to that, because you you had played when we were kids, right? And during AD and D times and Red Box. So coming back into it, did I don't feel like that af- affected the gameplay in a negative way. What were your recollections of that when you came back into the game? I mean, I think it makes it good to be able to quickly introduce people into it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I named him, I named him Funk and Hottie Peak. Now Wizard's going to come after me for uh, stealing the Wizard's yeah. name there, but because that was one of the ones I really remembered from early in the day. I enjoyed it, but I tell you what is that the as I've gone through and I've DM'd and done other things, uh, the more that I put into players now each time that I get to build another character and I get to introduce more backstory and hooks into the backstory and the background isn't just something I'm grabbing because I need these two skills, right? Like it has something to do with that. Um, you know, I think Tony's Ragnarok campaign uh, with the backgrounds and everything in there and the clans did a really good job of making like, as I'm building it, we're going to start, but it's, I feel like he's part of the world already. Like I've kind of, he has an area where he's from, there's things going on. There's that, the backgrounds are part of that area. Like it's, uh, it's very cool. I don't know. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And if you're like somebody like a new DM, like Lenny, if you were jumping in into an existing game group and somebody had been running games and then you were like, you know what, I want to try my hand at this. That's a completely different conversation, because when you already have people that are experienced players that maybe have run games that know the game that but then you can sit back and kind of play into it more. But yeah, yours was a very uh, unique, but I don't think uncommon example where, hey, especially, I really do think, I think people either they come onto something like a Critical Role or The Legend of Vox Machina or Stranger Things or The Big Bang Theory or anything like that. And they say, oh yeah, d and I've always wanted to play that. Or what is that like? Or or it's there's some kind of fascination and then they go, OK, how do we do it? Because as you said, you don't just crack open the box, you know, like you crack open a, a big strategy game like Axis and Allies or the Game of Thrones, the board game or something like that. Right. And or uh, Gloomhaven. Right. And you get like a 40, 50 page rule book. You're like, oh, OK, it's one of these games. Right. The player's handbook, as Chris made the point, is 300 pages. Here's the rule book, guys. Oh, there's also two other rule books. Like, what the fuck? Like, what are you supposed to, to do with that? That's what getting back, like, that starter set. They make it accessible. They break the rule book down. I can't remember how Oh yeah, it's how like big the rule book is in that. But it's like, yeah, it's not. It's like 20, 30 pages. It's yeah. just the basics that you need to get through that module and nothing more. Absolutely. No, I think it's actually 
quality set of rules. I don't think you ever necessarily need to go past them other than you kind of make a ruling on the existing basic rules and just go, yeah, uh, it works this way, you know, that type of thing as you go forward. I mean, if you start reading through that and you don't end up purchasing one of the other books along the way, I'd be kind of surprised, like, <laughs> if you're having fun with it, right? How many of them have you purchased at this point? Uh, the first one was the player's handbook. It was shortly after I got the starter set. And then, um, I was running a duet with a campaign with Lucy and I needed the monster manual for something. So that kind of made its way here. And then somebody got me the, uh, the DMS guide for, for Christmas this past year. Yeah, so. I mean, there's a reason it's the core rules. Yeah. And as we've said many times, guys, crack open your DMG. There is vast information in there that you think that 5e didn't put in. It's in there. Just go past the first, like, 20 pages. You have to keep going. Past the treasure tables. Yeah, no, they probably already thought of it. A couple of times I've gone back, and I've flipped to the end, and I'm like, oh, there's lasers in here. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Anything new in the slightest. Yeah, Yeah, as crazy as it might have sounded in Tony Storm King's Thunder campaign when he gifted Zhang the antimatter rifle, no, no, that's in the DMG. It's right back there in the uh, you know, exotic weapon or some shit. I don't even remember. Like what. peanut butter and jelly for our, our gaming environment, right? <laughs> the antimatter rifle. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. So, Len, with that, too. So you, you had made the point, too. So the session went phenomenally, which is awesome. Um because that's what that's what hooks people. But then the big bad BBEG uh, came along of schedules and have you still haven't really been able to continue onwards with that campaign yet, right? No, no, and it's breaking my heart. It's such a cool like like Fandle, The story itself is is kind of like it's sort of cool. There's a lot of once you get into the town, there's so many different things that the players can follow and. Uh, it's just yeah, it's, it's breaking my heart. I just want to run the end of it. I just want them to get to the end so we can, you know. So at what point will are you going to like just be like, fuck it and just run it for us? Like, just we just <laughs> oh, I don't I'm just saying I mean, you're live. So, well, it's not live, it's recorded, <laughs> but you're recording live. That would be, you know, that's fun. Since we met at Chris's, that's been stuck in my head. You were like, what? Like the last thing you said to me was like, I want you to run something for us this year. Like, well, there you go. There's a great question here uh, that I think can be difficult because I remember Chris having said this when you started Tomb, and you were like, Oh, I'm gonna be running this for the Three Wise DMs, right? And we were like, Dude, don't, no, like just run, right? Like it was cool because you started with Marvel. Right. And Marvel, like, no, I knew what was going on uh, as much as you can know in that old system. Right. But like you were free to be like, no, I, I this is my thing. Right. But you were running the, the 5e game for experienced players. And did you find that to be challenging, difficult? Did it increase? Did it uh, whatever? And then Lenny, the same question, like if you were going to run, like what would be some of the things you would be concerned about with that? Well, I mean, I tell you, um, it was totally intimidating at first. It isn't that intimidating once you get to know what DMs are about. Once you kind of DM, you get a better empathy for what other DMs are going <laughs> for, right? And so yes. they're trying to do with it. But I mean, bless his, his soul, Thorin. Like he was a he he was a powerful player who would challenge your things. So from the very beginning in the Marvel game, like. He broke me from uh, like box text and all those other things into have to being uh, agile and thinking of ways like he would come up with solutions and different things. And it would force you to have to um, kind of roll with it. So it was good. It was painful at times. Right. Like it was tough. <laughs> and you're like, I'm trying to think of some way like right with this, especially in the Marvel system, because, man, does it get wonky, especially at the cosmic levels we are the way the rules work. It was in the end, it made me better because it was, uh, you know, he wasn't doing anything that was wrong there. He was just testing the limits of the world there. Right. Like he wasn't necessarily following the guided track that I had crafted for the the past couple of days. He's like, no, I want to see what this world's all about. Right. And so he's like, I'm going to make a right turn here instead of left. So I think that's uh, you have to learn to be very um, 
agile. Like it's just it's just outlines for me now. It's just ideas and the main key points that I need to keep track of because the rest of it is uh, you can't hold on to it too tight. It just uh, it gets away from you. Excellent points, Lenny. Same same question though. If you were going to run it for people that have that have played right that that have DM before that have played before that know the game, blah, 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 blah. Like what are the things that would, aside from just the, the general trepidation, right. But the things that you would be concerned about. I'd say having my, like having the characters done, I think there's, there's one thing that I wish I had spent more time on. It was how to, how to present specific NPCs and stuff to, to the group. Like, did I, like, I didn't necessarily, like I had a voice in my head, but I didn't like walk around the house practicing it. So it was like, kind of like, kind of like not, you know, it wasn't crisp the first time it it came out. Right. So, you know, it is in as much that you would want to use, you know, you don't necessarily like, like, right. Everybody tells you, yeah, you don't have to do voices, but in some situations it makes things a little bit more, it, it it makes it a bigger world but yeah i mean having presentation down like i think would be would be the scariest thing like i know like if i ran it for you guys and i was like listen i don't know what to do with this rule like be honest like i know you guys are going to help me out and, and get me through it not that you want to be in that situation but yeah it's it's the other part it's having the the story hooks and the the characters down so uh, I would throw out the advice of don't be if you're using the published material like Dave uh, suggests. Some of that's really great. It, does, it lays out a lot of fantastic foundation for you, but do not be afraid to, to take away from it or add to it. You're not trapped with what you have there. And when you're running this game, and whether you're a seasoned or a new DM, uh, do not allow combat to swallow or define your entire game. Use it as much as you want. It's a great type of encounter to have, just like everything else. You want to have a battle? Fantastic. You are not locked into running nine combat encounters for the end of the evening with X amount of balanced monsters. You don't need to. Just get out there, flex, have fun, move on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent point. But yeah, I, I, I we joke about it. But no, I mean, publish material, man. Like, use it. Because... You absolutely, as Lenny did, as Chris did, as I did, I changed Curse of Strahd right from the get-go. And I had changed it uh, with, uh, I've said it many times before, Lunch Break Heroes had excellent ways to to craft even more lore and tie-ins to the world um, to lead into. But, um, but yeah, absolutely. Also, Chris, to your point, too, powerful player because... That Curse of Strahd group and, and game would have gone vastly differently if Thorin hadn't been playing uh, that Warlock. Because, yes, testing the, the absolute limits of play. <laughs> but it's it's a good it's a good exercise. Like you at first you can chafe at it, but that's the it's the challenge that makes you better as a uh, DM there. Yeah, you cannot grow in those comfort zones. No. I would say make I would say as a player as well, like getting to play with you guys for, for as much as we have the past couple months, like there's a lot of nights I walk away from our, our Tuesday night group, just like, man, I wouldn't like, how did he think of doing that? And I, I had no idea that was there and little things that, that kind of float in my head until the next week when we play. We were just doing that. Uh, Tony and Chris were involved. We were, Chris was doing a one shot, a high level 18th level, uh, one shot for Tony's birthday. Uh, he tied back in some of our Curse of Strahd characters and story, which I, I appreciated the nod. Uh, but our friend Luke, who we've talked about on the show before, uh, was playing with us. And you want to talk about someone who is old school and thinks old school and thinks, how can I use this stuff beyond, okay, go 60 feet and it does this damage. No, 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 no. Luke is not asking that. He's asking, how big is the room? And it's not because he's casting fireball, right? No, it's because he's casting He's about to create like a force wall <laughs> that somehow breaks. It's, it's, it's phenomenal to see. But Tony, like, thought just this is a little bit of an aside. But in that way, like, like uh, Lenny brought up that interesting point. Like when you start to see how people uh, push into the game. And 5e doesn't allow as much of it as maybe some of the older editions. But push into the game to see what the boundaries are as someone who's played through all of, you know, the whole iterations of D&D. The rules were a lot softer 
and there was there was a lot more complexity to it. So as a softer, there was a lot of places where you could have made wrong turns, like someone's melding through stone. And you're like, well, I tried to dispel magic and they would try all these crazy applications that are not covered. And you have to make a ruling that feels fair and consistent. So you just kind of have to do the best you can with that situation pushing the boundaries of it that will really uh, test your metal as a dm because you got to make the call that with the face rip a little bit too is that there was it was soft whether they just hadn't had a chance to really harden up the edges there but there's a lot of softness in those power descriptions and everything like that where you have to continually make rulings about this i want to do this because you're superheroes too but it was definitely challenging um, so just last question here, Lenny, for you, uh, it just occurred to me as we were just talking about that. 5e, we've talked about many times, is is a good, is a really good rule set. Uh, it's very uh, streamlined. There's not too much complexity, but there's enough to make it interesting, and you can always add crunchiness if you need to or want to. But you've played 5e, and you played a little bit in our Marvel uh, game that Chris ran for us. Um, outside of that, that's been your only experience with tabletop stuff, right? Yeah, pretty much. So with that, you were coming into the rule set. Did you feel like reading those rules that like you felt a lot more covered? Like there wasn't as much gray area as maybe there might be in other systems. I mean, not that you know this experientially, but you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I had a good grasp of what it you know what the system was it was it, you know it was my first time seeing a game like this so it was immensely interesting like i had no idea you know when you sit on the outside of D D, you really don't you you know have an idea of what it's what it's really like to to play or to be in a game and then you start reading it you're like all right this is you know this is kind of cool like i'm i'm into this and it, yeah it's i mean there's definitely wasn't anything that it was way out there. I'm sure there was a couple things I was texting Chris about like, Hey, what do I do if this happens? What do I do if this happens? Like how, how does this tie in? But you know, it wasn't, there wasn't like gaping holes that they left in, in, in what you were, what you were supposed to be doing. All right. Awesome. Uh, so why, how about time for some final thoughts? Uh, Lenny, why don't you lead us off here? Just, uh, you know, Obviously, we went over your experiences in UDM, but like the advice you would give to people in your shoes, you know, now that you have uh, broken your chariot, that were yeah, um, a horrifying analogy. Don't yeah, it. yeah, really. My advice: just do it. Just freaking do it. Nike, just, just do it. Like honestly, <laughs> like we're you know, by Nike. That's in, in all seriousness. Like you, you get, you're gonna get, you're gonna get caught up thinking, oh, I don't know enough of the rules or anything like that. But just freaking run it and like you'll you're gonna screw up you're gonna make rulings but but do it and talk to your players afterwards hey what did you guys you know think about this how'd you like this you know find some people that you game with and that are going to give you some good feedback and you're just you're just going to get better at it every time you go and with that being said i mean god there's a wealth of information out in the in the interwebs i mean go watch youtube go watch matt Covo. go watch ryan doyle go Listen to a podcast. Go listen to Critical Role. Uh, the one that I had listened to when I started was not another D and D podcast. And oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just like it's it's a more comedic take on things, but their stories are are great and their their gameplay is good and they're strong players and you're gonna learn a lot. But yeah, just get out there and freaking play. It's awesome. Great points. Great points. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, I think uh, that that doubling down on what Lenny said too, uh, and there's a lot of resources out there. Uh, there's obviously the main modules, campaign settings, and stuff like that, but uh, places like DMs Guild and Drive Through and everything like that, there is a wealth of information, and you can trade a lot of. You can work your magic on everything, or you can take published adventures. You can go the Kovo route. There's uh, but there's a wealth of information, adventures, creatures, new monster manuals, other things out there that you can use as ideas to be able to create and to add spice. And you don't have to be, feel like you have to create the whole situation on your shoulders. You can grab another town from another module and bring it in there. You can grab a hook from a different module and move it in there or move in a different monster from a, you know, a new uh, expanded monster manual or something like that. So. 
Yeah, I would say be prepared as you need to be. And I know that's very generally speaking, but make an outline and stick to it. And I swear behind if you are going to use published material, I mean, again, I use Strong King's Thunder. I read sections of that. I'm like, this is great. And I read other sections. I'm like, there is no way we're going to do this. It's gone. It swept right off my desk. Never bring it up again. Don't be afraid to do that. You got to play to who's in your room, what they're going to like. And that's difficult to figure out at first. But as you, you know, as you play with them more, you'll get a more comfortable feel of what they're looking for and what you want to do as a DM. My final thoughts are exactly what I have been saying now for two and a half years. I feel He's consistent. Very, I feel very vindicated here. Lenny has been my prototype, and I didn't even know it. But, you know, use the published adventures. Use a short one. Use one of the starter kits, whatever, right? In whatever system you're playing, too, there's a, there's a starter uh, adventure for any system you got, right? I personally, I've said, like, use the pre-gens, unless you're experienced and you, you you feel comfortable showing players how to make characters. But in Lenny's situation, like, I thought you went exactly the right path. And your point of the amount of information that is out there right now, podcasts, websites, blog series, uh, YouTube series, there's so much info from really, really great uh, DMs. I myself, uh, used Matt Colville. The running the game series was is indispensable for people. Yeah. And then you just kind of jump off from there. And then obviously, like, you know, I, I I latched on to somebody like Matt Mercer because he's like my spirit animal. So like he's he's like a he plays into a lot of what I want out of the game too. Anyway, so those are my final thoughts. But Lenny, I thought you said it great was just do it. And for those people out there that are wondering like this, if this isn't like the most perfect example where everyone just goes, hey, we want to play. And you just did it. You just figured it out and you ran a game and it went awesome. And you, you know, as intimidated as you might have been by some of the things, you just went with it. And it sounded like it was a wild success. Mm -hmm. And now you're super into the hobby. And that's a wild success, too. So thank you again, Len, for coming on. And Chris, thanks again for gracing us with your guest DMing presence. Um, Thanks, yeah, and uh, as we do each week, we are going to let our old erstwhile leader take us out. Hey, thank you all for listening to another episode of Three Wise DMs. Again, if you want to hear us talk about your question, please feel free to enter it in that What's Your Problem field on our website. Send it to our email address, threewisedms at gmail.com, or talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're always on the lookout for DMs who, who could use some help. That's what we're here to do. So, And if you like what we're talking about, if you like what you're hearing from us, please leave us a five-star rating in your podcast platform. Share it. Tell your friends. All that stuff really helps us grow, and we should appreciate any support you can give us. Plus, you might have friends who have questions they want answered, and we'd love to help them as well. So that's it for this week. We'll talk to you next time. Three Wise DMs. Thank you.